You're listening to the teaching ministry of Discovery Church in Bristol, Tennessee. For more information about Discovery, or for more free audio content, please visit discoverybristol.com. So a couple weeks ago, uh, we're getting ready for Easter, right? And every year Easter, um, I, I, I do believe in spiritual battles, and, and I believe that this is a, a ripe time that Satan would want to attack. And it was present this year as it is every year. And this year it felt like things just kept falling apart around us, right? Um, everything for like three or four weeks leading up to Easter, we had some struggles in the crow, crow world. Like, for example, a little thing, no one's ever broke a bone in our family. My daughter broke her wrist. Um, so little things like that that might not seem like that big of a deal, but when you compile them, when you see that uh, it's just these burden after burden seems to pile up, And I very much feel like maybe there is a spiritual component orchestrating this this burden, this this what seemed like a storm. It felt like things were falling apart. People were sick in my home. Uh, For example, even here at church, um, our amazing cleaning crew uh, got an injury and they weren't able to continue on. And then our backup cleaning crew got an injury and they weren't able to carry on. And so now we're like on third string uh, is back to like my JV days in tennis. And, And I was like third string cleaning. And it just seemed like thing after thing kept falling apart. Um, my, my grandpa passed away uh, the Monday before Easter, and so I'd always envisioned getting to do his funeral, and now I wouldn't even get to go back to be part of it. Uh, it just seemed like everything was piling up, and, and we were sick and having struggles, and then Thursday came. Thursday before Easter was when I finally cracked. Um, uh, Sarah will often tease me that when things get hard, when the going gets tough, I just begin to like my, bring in these blinders and I just plow through. That's how I've managed to make it and, and it's good except for sometimes I bring in some casualties because I, I forget, oh yeah, I got a wife and four kids that I'm bringing along when I plow through, I got to care about them, but I'll just plow through the problem. And so I was plowing through these four weeks of thane after thane falling down until Thursday hit. Um, we, uh, I had had lunch with Sarah and the kids and, and I needed to go get mulch. If you, when you leave, I want you to notice the mulch because it would make me feel great if you thought this is the world's best church because of the mulch. Um, the message, I don't know, um, worship is awesome, but that mulch is incredible, all right? And this will make me feel better if you think that on your way out. But we needed to get mulch for Easter so it looked nice when people walked up. And so I took the church van and I went to Lowe's to get 40 bags of mulch. And I purchase it, I drive around the side, hand the guy the receipt, and the guy's like, man, you're going to ruin your van if you put all this in there. It rained all last night, these bags are full of water, they smell bad, they leak, your van's never going to be the same. you got to come back with a truck. And I was like, all right. And so I was not anticipating that. I had other things to get ready for Easter. Uh, but so I pull out and I quickly get on Facebook on the Discovery site and say, hey, does anyone have a truck I can borrow uh, that can help me get mulch for a couple hours? By the time I got to church to drop off the van, three people chimed in. And I was like, oh, great, something good. Uh, three people are willing. And so I found there's one that was really close. And so I said, okay. And I let the other two know, hey, I don't need your truck. I got one. So I get the key, and I go pick up the truck. It's down by Davis Marina, not very far, and I go, and it's a truck that gets used every couple of weeks, maybe once a month, uh, not very often. It's just a kind of a spare vehicle, and so I get in this red, old pickup truck. 
I begin to leave their place to drive up Volunteer Parkway to get to Lowe's, and I notice it just doesn't drive very well. Like, but I figure it's an old truck. It's not my truck. This must be how it always is. Um, it felt like the brakes were on even when I'm accelerating. The RPMs are revving up, and, and so I try to release the emergency brake. That's not the problem. I tried different things, but I just figure it must be their truck. I get to Lowe's where I finally stop and roll down the window and to hand the guy a receipt and I notice this white smoke coming out from, from the brakes and that guy goes, man, your truck smells awful. And I start smelling, I was like, yeah, it does. And he goes, you're burning your brakes. And I was like, yeah, I probably am. He's like, why are you doing this? Like, it's Easter, all right? And so um, this is what happens at Easter. Everything falls apart. And, and so at this point, I'm like, okay, do I fill it with mulch? Or do I take the truck back? Well, I got to go by the church anyways to get from Lowe's to Davis Marina. I'll fill it with mulch and take the truck back. And so I say, okay, go ahead and put the mulch in there. And so they load up 40 bags of mulch. And right when they get done, I say goodbye. And he goes, hey, you know your back tire's flat, right? I said, what? And he goes, yeah, yeah, on the back side. Come check it out. I go over, and it's flat and bulging out. And there's just a little bit of air. I was like, oh, seriously? And he said, where are you going? I said, to, to XI Drive to Discovery Church. He said, oh, you're not going to make it there. And he just giggles. I was like, oh, yeah, real funny. And, and so I um, said, okay, I'll go get some air. So I go over to Food City next door. Right when I get there, a guy pulls in in front of the air uh, machine and pulls up. And I was like, all right. So I park in a parking spot and I'm waiting. And I'm waiting. And I'm waiting. I've never seen anyone take this long to get air. And at this point, I was just furious and frustrated and, uh, and over it. And so I did what was natural. I went to Little Caesars and got a pizza. And I brought it back. I ate two pieces of pizza and went in there and got, ate two pieces before this guy's done filling his tires. It took that long. He finally gets done. I pull the van around uh, or the truck around and I fill the air, car with the air with tire, air, the air with tire, the tire with air. Get on Volunteer Parkway, headed home. Uh, headed to church. It's still driving funny. Um, it's, it's hard to accelerate, but uh, we're going. And so I eat my third piece of pizza, and I decide I'm going to just throw the crust out the window, give it to a bird. And so I hit the down button on the window, and it starts going down, and, it, and the window goes sideways, and, and it gets stuck. And I flip up and down the button while I'm driving, nothing. And now all that white smoke, remember, and that awful smell, is flooding in the cab while I'm driving. And I was like, are you serious? And I'm driving. And I finally get here to church and I back up to drop off the mulch up front and I get out and I see that the window's kind of crooked and I think, okay, maybe if I lift it and I put it back on the hook, it'll be all right. And I line it up, hold it, let go, shoom, window's gone. And I was like, what? And I look up, and there's a little gray cloud coming, and it's about to rain. And at that point, I gave up, and I text there, and I just, all I wrote was, ah! That is just really long, like 10 A's, 10 H's, and 20 exclamation marks. And then I threw my phone, and, and she called back. She tried calling, and I couldn't, I didn't even answer. And I just sat there, just bewildered that this could happen after everything else. And I finally cry out, and I said, you know, you know what? Satan, you win. You got me this Easter. Easter 21 is yours. And I was just fed up with the storms. Seemed like everything for that several weeks was a storm. One more thing pulling us away, one more thing attacking us as we got ready for Easter. For me, the, the storms often come at those high points, but the storms for all of us come at different times. 
we got to remember as we're reading through Mark, who is Mark writing to? He's writing to the Romans, the Roman Christians, who have been following Jesus and gave their life over to him, but because of that, now they're under persecution. Because of that, Nero is coming after them, trying to arrest them, trying to torture them and kill them. Their neighbors are turning each, the Christians in. Family is turning them in. They are in the midst of a storm. Maybe you are in the midst of your own storm. Maybe a storm of a relationship. Maybe a storm of a lost job. Maybe storms that I can't even begin to describe. I heard someone that preached on this message said, there's three types of people here this morning. Those that have been in a storm, those who are in a storm, and those who will be in a storm. And then there's those that are all three. I think that might be many of us. Maybe you're not in a storm now, but there's one that's in your past. Maybe you're not in a storm now, but you don't even know it. There's one coming. And so as we get into this, this passage, Mark chapter 4, we're going to see Jesus in the midst of a storm. And I hope that we can find encouragement. I hope we can find something that we can hold on to, something that we can learn from, something that we can see that in the midst of the storm, Jesus is there with us. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open it. Mark chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 35. Up to this point, Jesus has been teaching, and, and they got to this area. It's kind of a side of a hill up next to the Sea of Galilee. And, and so Jesus gets in a boat, and he's teaching from this boat, and the guy gives a little distance from the crowd so that they, people can see and hear. Great crowds have come. Everyone's hoping that they would be healed, hoping that they'd see a miracle, hoping to learn something, hoping to hear the words of Jesus Many hoping to see the Messiah. So Jesus is teaching and he's telling them about uh, the parables. So he tells them these parables about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven and he tells it in these unusual stories that you have to put two and two together to be able to make it work and, and to be able to understand what he's saying. And he tells it in these parables. And so many have understood, many are confused. But either way, many crowds have been listening He's been teaching, healing, ministering all day. It's time to leave. And that's where we pick up. Verse 35. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. It's important for us to know, we'll get back to this later, but this is Jesus' plan that they would go over to the other side. He has a reason for this. And so the disciples are all for it. It says, leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. They go, and it's nighttime. In this, this part of the region, the storms would quickly come over the hills, and, and it would be a very fast storm approaching this lake. And so the, the storms would come so fast that if you were stuck in the middle of the lake, you wouldn't see it coming, and now you'd be ravaged in the middle of the storm with the waves crashing in. And so most people would, would do the fishing at night when Jesus is going because that's the calm time of the day for this land. Storms don't usually come in at night. And so this is when Jesus is traveling, and it says many boats were with him. Some may be going to see where Jesus is going. Many are there fishing and trying to make a living. And the storm comes. The storm brews. And if I was there, I would have been terrified. I've only been in a boat a handful of times. I'm not a sailor. But these guys, remember many of them, their background, they're fishermen. 
Many of them have been in way worse storms, they would think. Many of them have seen what is the worst, and they've told the tales at, at the pubs, and they've said, will you let me tell you about this one that I've been in. They've all fought through, and they've all risked their life and been at near death. So a storm wouldn't be terrifying to them like it would me. And yet we're going to see they're at a loss. They don't know what to do. They've tried everything. They've brought down the sails. They've got bucketed out the water. They've done everything that they know to do. And now they're at their wits end. This storm is the one that's going to wreck them. The storm's the one that's going to take their life. This storm is worse than it's ever been before. And so it says, verse 38, when Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. I love that. It's been a hard day. And we get to see Jesus' human side in this story. That he's asleep. It's been a long, hard day. And I love that we see the details that Mark provides because he's been getting these stories from Peter. You know, Peter has been sharing these stories at a dinner or maybe at a campfire. And he's like, let me tell you about the time we were in the, in the storm. And there I looked over and Jesus, he was asleep. And he, his head, he was just passed out on this cushion. And we didn't know what to do. And so Mark writes that in, that he was sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Why would he wake up Jesus? He's not a fisherman. He's not going to know what to do any better than they do. He doesn't have this great wisdom. Oh, here's what you do in the midst of a storm. These fishermen, they know they've been through it. And yet they cry out to him because they see him as the Messiah. They cry out because they say, what are you going to do? Why would you let us drown? Why aren't you taking care of us? Why aren't you here to protect us? Why are we in the midst of this storm? It was this idea that the Israelites had that in the midst of hard times that God not only does not didn't turn his back on them, but was, was asleep. That he didn't care enough and he would just fall asleep. Psalm 35, 22 through 23 says, Lord, you have seen this. Do not be silent. Do not be far from me, Lord. Awake and rise to my defense. Contend for me, my God and Lord. It's Mark sharing this. This would have connected to the audience in Rome. My family's getting torn apart. If I go out and people know that I'm a Christian, I'm going to get captured. I'm going to get tortured. My best friends won't speak to me anymore because they know I'm a believer in Jesus. They're crying out as they're hunkered down in the catacombs, reading the story, hiding from the persecution. God, where are you? Why are you asleep? Don't you see that we're being persecuted because we love you, because we're following you? Where are you, God, in the midst of this storm? Same thing a lot of us call out. Where are you, God? Don't you care? It seemed like everything had fallen apart in my life for those three weeks, and I got to the point where that window falls out, and I'm just like, fine, you win. I, I'm done. Where are you, God? Maybe you've been there. The depth of the lowest place of those storms. And you're crying out, God, why are you asleep? And we see that he's with them all along. That's not a surprise. He's right there amongst them. And he's at peace 
enough to sleep because he knows he's got this. Verse 38, uh, 39 says, He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. The verse here says that he muzzled the storm. The same wording that they use in Mark chapter 1 when he meets the demon-possessed man. That he muzzled the demon. That these disciples see that Jesus has the ability to muzzle a demon to have power over the spiritual realm. And now their eyes are open because he muzzles a storm. He has power over the physical realm. That this great storm has come and he can bring calm to it. Mark uses the word mega three times here. Uh, that he uses when he talks about the, the a mega storm uh, has brewed and has come down. And then he says that it was completely calm. It's the same root for a mega calm, that it was this magnitude of calm just came over. It's not like the storm dissipated over time. Instantly, the waves were calm. Instantly, the wind was still. Instantly, the disciples in this boat and all the other boats saw the power of Jesus. And he turns to them and he says to the disciples, why were you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. But it says they were terrified. The, the Greek adjective it uses, mega. That they were extremely terrified. That they were in awe. Who is this? It wasn't a question of who is this Jesus. They know that Jesus is the Messiah. They believe that. They've called that out. They've left everything to follow him. They believe he is the, the promised Messiah. But here they see this isn't just the Messiah. This isn't just a man we've been following that we can touch, that we can eat with, that we've seen asleep. This is God. Who is this that can calm the storms? that in the midst of our hardest times can make it stop? Who is this that can care for us and take care of us? Who is this? It's the creator. He's totally in charge of all of nature, a master of creation. And so Jesus speaks to them. And you wonder, what was the rest of that trip like as they continue to cross the lake? It's important to note that Jesus, this was his plan all along. He said, let us go to the other side of the lake. And next week we're going to get to chapter 5. My favorite, my favorite story in the entire Bible is next week. It'll blow your mind. I love this story. I'm so excited about next week. Uh, and we will see that Jesus is going across the lake, not to reach out to a crowd over there, but to reach one man. One tormented hurting man, Jesus was willing to go through this storm. This was Jesus' plan. And what the disciples didn't pick up on is that this was God's plan. And if it is God's plan, it will succeed. This is something one of the Pharisees said in Acts, uh, in, in Acts chapter 5. Some of the disciples have been captured and the Pharisees are trying to figure out what do we do with them? Do we kill them? Do, what do we do? Do we put them in jail? And one of the Pharisees, Gamil, steps forward and he says, Therefore, in this present case I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. 
For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourself fighting against God. He understands that this is God's plan. And following God's plan in our lives obviously isn't always going to be easy. Following God's plan doesn't make it all work out. There's still a storm that comes. But following God's plan means we know how it will end. It will succeed. That this is God's plan. That we would be able to follow him. And so as we get to this story, a story maybe you're familiar with, you've heard before, what do we take from this story? And what do we grab onto to hold on to? Because we're all going to face the storms. Maybe we are right now, or we will into the future. And John shares something. Uh, when he writes 1 John chapter 2, it's something kind of neat. He's talking, and he shares about three different groups that he's writing to. And the lessons that these three different groups will receive. 1 John 2, chapter 12 through 14 says, I am writing to you, dear children. He's talking about spiritual maturity. So those that are young in their faith, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I like this passage because John is saying, hey, it's the same message, but three different groups could get three different lessons here. For you, for you children, for you young in the spiritual faith, he says, know that your sins are forgiven because of Jesus. That alone is great. To hold on to that, the basics of our faith. For you young men, you've overcome the evil one. Know that there is strength in God, that he will help you overcome Satan. He will help you overcome temptation. He will guide you through the hard times. For you fathers, those who are spiritually mature, you've known who God is from the beginning, meaning that you're part of his plan, that you're pursuing God with your whole heart and all that you have. And so the same idea, I think we could apply to this story, that you have the fathers, or you have the, the little children, that read the story, those young in their spiritual walk, to know that Jesus is with you. And all you have to do is cry out. To know that Jesus has not ne neglected you. He's not asleep. He has not left us nor forsake us. But he is there with us all along. And that we can cry out to him. And those times that we feel he's asleep, those times that we feel he's left us, know that he's right there with us. For those, for as, as John would say, the young men, the young women, those that are a little more spiritually mature, to know that we've all faced storms. It's part of life. Sadly, some of these storms we bring on ourselves through maybe broken relationships or bad decisions, through addictions, through various means. Some of these storms are brought on upon us a diagnosis, a, a lost job different things that are coming down on us and it just feels like these storms and to know that Jesus will get us through the storm, that he is there with us. And then for those, as he says, the, the fathers or the mothers, those that are spiritually mature, I think we can grab onto the story and see that Jesus, that they were in the midst of that storm because they were following God's plan. What is God's plan for us? 
What does God put before you that you could be doing for him? How can we be following God? What has he called us to do? The person he's called us to reach out to, the the ministry he wants us to be part of, how has God called us? And the reality is it doesn't get easy just because we're following God. This storm comes in the middle of the night out of nowhere and the disciples are terrified and they're being beaten down with waves. But they're there because they're following God's plan. Jesus said, we're going to the other side of the lake. Are we pursuing God's plan with our lives? And if we are, as Camille the prophecy said, we will only find ourselves fighting against God because God will prevail. I was sitting there with 40 bags of mulch in the back of a pickup truck and threw my phone and I said, all right, Satan, you win. And it probably wasn't even 30 seconds later, it hit me and I said, Satan, if you can hear me, (laughs) I said it out loud, you don't win. Jesus wins. I said, Jesus wins Easter 2021. That's right, he does. Jesus wins. Jesus wins tomorrow. Jesus wins the day after that. Jesus will win. And so I sat there with this truck full of mulch, and I said, Jesus has this. Jesus wins. And I emptied out the mulch and then went and took the truck home. Jesus wins. So I want to encourage you, if you're in the midst of a storm, Jesus wins. If you're not in a storm yet, and you don't even know it's coming, but when it starts to come, know that Jesus wins. Jesus will win in the storm every time. There's a passage from the book of Psalms written hundreds of years before Jesus, but it almost seems as if it was describing this story. And I can close with this, Psalm 107, 23 through 32. Some went out on the sea in ships. They were merchants of the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the depth, in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted to the heavens and went down to the depths. In the peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunkards. They were at their wits' end. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired heaven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of the elders. In a moment, we're going to go and have communion and then we're going to sing. We're going to fill out what the end of this verse says, that in the midst of our storms, let us know Jesus is there and let us give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love. Let us exalt him in the assembly of the people. We have communion every week to remind us that Jesus conquers all the storms, including even the storm that he himself faced. That he died on a cross and he's dead in a tomb. And three days later, Jesus wins. Three days later, he conquers death. He conquers Satan, he conquers sin. He guarantees salvation for us if we've given our life over to him. So this morning as you go and Take communion. You might find yourself in the midst of a storm. I want to encourage you that Jesus is there. Grab hold of that. 
that truth. And if you're not in a storm yet, grab hold of the truth that Jesus has conquered the greatest storm and we have salvation because of it. And Jesus is there with us all along. If you'll pray with me. Lord, we just lift this up and this morning to you. God, I pray that if there's people here facing a storm, let them know that you are alive and you have them in your hand. God, Jesus wins. He does every day, every time. And God, in the midst of the storms, let us be reminded of that. That we're not alone, but that you are there with us. We thank you that you conquered death, you conquered sin, you conquered Satan on that cross and on that empty tomb. And because of that, no matter how these storms play out, no matter how what we face in our life, we have victory in heaven if we've given our life over to you. God, if there's people here that need to do that, I encourage them to, to talk to someone, to go to the prayer room, to be able to, to accept you as their savior. Because there's victory in you. God, we lift this up in your name. Amen.